TSR Podcast with Jacob and Bo. And I, I just agree with this like consensus feeling that like he wants to be the quarterback on the field. He wants the quarterback to go through the progressions that he says to go through on the play. He wants if he doesn't want you to go through on one play, he's probably reading you. I guess he's gonna read you too. And you're gonna he wants you to go through it the way that he wants you to go through. He doesn't want any freelancing. He doesn't want play breakdowns. That's why he usually has a, a sound offensive line so that the play stands up and gets run the way he wants it to run. I just, I mean, I see more freelancing and and stuff that would just tick Kyle Shanahan off out of Fields and Lance versus Mac Jones. Mac Jones is going to walk in the door and say, yes, sir, no, sir. Not that Fields and Trey Lance won't be polite, but what I'm saying is, is that yes or no, sir, by he's going to do exactly what he's told the way he's told to do it because that's how he's going to succeed, not by his God-given physical abilities. So, I just struggle with thinking you give up that much for a guy that doesn't have as high of a ceiling as the two guys that you're missing out on. That's hey, what I struggle with. I just I, I don't I don't think that you're wrong in that. I think that we're just not Kyle Shanahan, and Kyle Shanahan is a control freak that wants what he wants when it comes to his offense. And if you just look at him and his team, it just screams Mac Jones is the next thing that he's going to want. <laughs> I just feel like Kyle Shanahan can make his offense like whatever he wants it to be. I, don't, I think you put any of those three quarterbacks in there, they become successful. You know, I mean, to a varying degree. Like, I think the other two guys will come become more successful because I just think they're more talented. I don't, and I don't disagree that that Fields and Trey Lance, especially, don't showcase more abilities to be successful in the NFL. I just think that Kyle Shanahan is a methodical, borderline robotic s coach that wants it done the exact way that he says. He wants it like he doesn't want this wild card. You know, and yeah. if if you put Justin Lance. I'm not Justin Lance, Justin Fields or Trey Lance <laughs> back, Justin Lance. If you put Justin Fields or Trey Lance back there, you're going to have a good wild card in X Factor, which is their athletic abilities that they can fall back on to get to move the change, which I, of course, I enjoy that. You enjoy quarterbacks like that, but I'm not necessarily sold on Kyle Shanahan wanting that for his team. We could probably talk about this all day, but we need to go ahead and jump into what we're we're going to do on this episode, guys. All right, so this is our last pre-draft ranking segment for the 2021 draft. This time, it's all corners and safeties. We're going to dive into both of these uh, defensive back position groups. And so let's just go ahead and jump right into them. Bo, I'm going to let you go first this time, man. You, you say I don't let you go first enough. So I'm going to let I you do that this time. I did not say that. You, you, you said it to oh, me, man. So, so, now, so now I'm putting you on the spot, man. You're going first with your corners, man. <laughs> Leading off, I thought that I thought that the top, my top three corners were were pretty similar in 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 the fact that they're extremely instinctual players and they're they're always finding their way to the football. They're good at driving the football, and just just constantly being that guy that's in the mix, even at corner. Yeah, it's you know, a good it's class. Just, yeah, it really is. Like even when they're playing the you know outside, they're always finding their way into the tape, always being you know mixed up in the run and other things like that. So my number one is Patrick Sertan Jr. Pedigree is a big thing for me. The NFL bloodline. His dad coached him in high school, and he's always been a successful player. Um, this is the guy that a franchise is gonna, uh, that I think one day will stick on an island against a team's biggest threat when it when it matters the most. And he's the guy that's gonna be able to be isolated so that the rest of the defense can do their job and just say, "Hey, not today. You're not gonna make the play." 
I don't think that he has elite top end speed, but I think he has the he makes up for it with his control of the man that he's guarding. Um, he's more of a guy that forces the receiver to react to him versus you reacting to the receiver, uh, which is a lot of the cornerbacks. Are, it's off off the jump, it's shadow and mirror the whole way. But some corners have the ability to redirect and control the game. Uh, I think that's he, I think that's the kind of guy he is. Um, I'll say if he, as long as he can manage not getting burnt and he can bring down the PI calls in the NFL, because you know how flag heavy the refs are these days, as long as he can not get too handsy down the field. Um, he's, and he's not to mention, he's got a great coach at home and he's going to have good coaches in the NFL. I think sky's the limit for Patrick Sertan Jr. Um, and then Caleb Farley's my number two, uh, you know, he might be my number one if it weren't for his back. And me and you have talked about this a fair amount. I don't worry about his back problems or his back surgeries when it comes to playing coverage, when it comes to man, you know, man-to-man, zone coverage, whatever. If he's out there guarding a receiver, I'm not too worried about it. Maybe he comes down on it wrong on a 50-50 ball, but you know that's, that's probably at the worst for me. Uh, where I see it becoming a problem is when he tries to come down in the run game and meets a big running back in the NFL or a big fullback or – anybody guard whatever he he meets you know head on first that that hit he could take the wrong angle and bam all of a sudden we're back to square one with his back and it's it's just an easy thing to re-injure and it's a scary thing you know it's a thing that you need to take serious once you injure it the first time so it's something to think about but that's probably why he's not my number two it's it's he's i don't think we'll see another corner this big this long and this physical be able to move with the fluidity that he moves through his progressions and and you know when dealing with the with the wide receiver he's guarding um he's just he turns his hips amazing he doesn't get lost um every blue moon you might catch him flat-footed getting lazy on a tackle but it's it, i think that some of the, you see some of that stuff in college cuz the game can just get too easy for him at times and Caleb Farley rarely met his match in college um but i just think he's an all-around super impressive guy he he's even uh his pad level's great even though he's big uh he's good run stopper uh, he's hard for receivers to block because he is so physical down the field. So and he drives on the football well, even when he's, say, you know, the ball is thrown under underneath him towards the sideline, and he's a few yards few yards off in zone coverage. He breaks on the ball really well, um, gets there in a really short amount of time. So I really like him there, number two. And honestly, with this with this corner class, I'd, I'd like to say that there's probably seven guys that could go almost anywhere. Just, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, like, you, we, we just were no texting clue. about it. When we were yeah. texting about it, I was telling you this was the hardest position group easily in this draft class to rank guys in, and it's it's much harder than it was last year in the corner. Maybe even the class before that with cornerbacks, man. Th- this class is very good, man. And a lot of these guys, I mean, it's like splitting hairs with all of these guys. Yeah, I I agree, man. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see how these these NFL teams have graded them. And what their true feelings on how they play are, because I mean, we can go all day to our blue in the face mocks, rankings, whatever. We're just not in those rooms. And there's just a lot of these guys have interchangeable um, traits that that they're all really good at, and they've all shown at a high level. 
Um, but my number three thought it was going to be J.C. Horn for a while, but it ended up being Asante Samuel Jr. after watching it. And a lot of it is based off his instincts and his ability to be around the football and make turnovers. Um, and 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 not to and he's not a guy that if the turnover comes his way, it's not getting by him. This is a guy that's going to hold on to that football and is going to make it happen for you. Um, I don't really like him as a man cover kind of guy, as a press man guy. He's a little bit on the undersized side of things, but you're always going to need off the ball defenders. You're always going to need uh, deep cushion guys. You're always going to need, you know, someone who's going to make a play on the ball and get a turnover. And this guy's super sticky to his receiver. Um, I believe if anyone in this draft has size problems at corner, this is the one kid who's going to deal with that the best. Um, he just has an all around feel for the game, as you, as you know, his dad did too. Uh, so I like him at three. And an, another pe- another bloodline guy, number four, J.C. Horn. His dad's Joe Horn. Uh, this kid plays with mega attitude. He's he's the bully out of this group. If 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 not, he tries to have the biggest bite to be the bully. Caleb Farley's a pretty massive guy, but the way he plays, he's always he's always trying to just have an edge with somebody. He's always looking really physical. Even even as the whistle's being blown, you see him going after guys, getting his hands in there. Uh, he's really lengthy. He's fast. He covers at every depth. He's explosive, but sometimes you catch him late when routes break off underneath him, and he plays a little bit of catch up. And he's not the most. He's explosive, but I wouldn't say he's the most burst runner. He's explosive when he hits people. He really knows how to bring his power through on a on blockers and ta- and people he's trying to tackle. Um, but if he can work on using that same explosiveness to catch up to guys when 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 routes break off underneath him, I think it'd be awesome. And he's going to be great help in the run game for anybody that needs it at corner. Um, so I got him at number four. My number five might be a surprise to some people, but I, he is graded high on many draft boards. Greg Newsom out of uh, Northwestern. I think he's a really underrated, lengthy corner. Um, you're getting a lot of these dudes over six foot now that are just exceptional athletes. And I think he's that type of guy. He attacks the football at the catch point really well. Uh, he plays all over the field slot and over either side. He's, he's versatile. Um, and he probably needs, I think he needs work dealing with when he's coming in to make the tackle, he, he gets kind of caught up in the mess. He gets caught up in mesh routes a little bit. Um, and he gets a little handsy downfield. That's stuff a lot of rookies have to work through in their first year. So as long as he can work through that stuff, his athleticism, his length is going to carry him a long way. Um, so he's my number five. My honorable mention is one of your boys, Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. My favorite thing about him is that there's probably not a receiver in the NFL that maybe Tyree Kill right now. He can't keep up with step for step down the field. I think he's got unlimited range, and he's going to be a. I think he could be a good contributor as a slot corner or something for a team early on if he's not going to get stuck on the outside. I always love when you throw a Georgia boy in there. You know that. I, well, I mean, it's when on defense when we go to the defensive side of the ball, it's hard to ignore Georgia boys. Yeah, they they recruit really well and they're really well coached coming yeah. out, just like a lot of teams. I would know? say the the way they coach them up is almost more impressive than their recruiting. Yeah, I would probably agree with you on that, and. One thing I want to say about this cornerback class to everybody is I think this cornerback class has an awesome blend of you've got your guys that are lengthier, right? You've got your your longer guys your, mm-hmm. that have the speed and everything. Then you've got your small guys, too, that have speed. They're twitched up and everything like that. It's an awesome blend. Like if an NFL team, any you want any color of the rainbow, you've got it in this draft. You can get any type of cornerback you want out of this draft class. Yeah. Which has made it a lot of fun to scout. And I think it's been a lot of fun comparing these guys and trying to rank them and things like that, which I guess, you know, I'll go ahead and jump into my rankings. Number one for me, 
was Caleb Farley. And I told you this myself, though. I, I, I definitely, this, I mean, I agree. He sh- he's, should be number one on a lot of boards, for sure. This, he is the most physically gifted cornerback that I have ever actually scouted myself. Like, since I began scouting, this is the best cornerback I've ever watched. The, the most just unbelievable talent. It's everything you look for in a cornerback, man. If you were to build your ideal cornerback to draft, it would look exactly like Caleb Farley. From a length, strength, speed standpoint, no one in this class touches this guy. He's six foot two, 205 pounds, ran a reported 42840 while training for the draft. Now, okay, people are going to say, okay, well, that wasn't at his pro day, so how do we know that's that legit? Okay, that's fine. I'll give you that. He didn't perform at his pro day because of the back procedure that, you know, and we'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, he plays super physical, has no issue laying the wood, excellent flexibility in his lower body, hips are awesome, has no trouble transitioning from backpedaling to opening his hips and tracking his man downfield. Flips his hips easily, man, when changing direction. I mean, he it's never, and he, ne- he never loses pad level when he does no, it. No, he doesn't, man. It's super impressive, especially for him to be a, a taller guy. That's that's really impressive for him to be able to do that. His yeah. ability to click and close is elite, man. Yeah. When he reads what is happening, he's there immediately. Like, you snap your fingers and Caleb Farley's on the guy. Now, again, let's talk about this back procedure, right? Farley had a microdisectomy on his back, so people in Farley's camp are saying it was minor. He'll be back 100% by training camp. Other people around the league aren't so sure of that. They're saying it's more serious and anything back-related can reoccur, which, Bo, you just mentioned. There have been an unbelievable amount of people in the NFL that came in with you know minor back issues, and it ended up being a chronic thing the rest of their career, and it ruined their career. So it is something definitely to look at. Um, I understand the risk with Farley and his injury and his procedure. It might make him slip some in the draft. And if it it does, you know, I think it easily. I think it's going to hurt him. It's it's going to hurt him him a little bit. But my thing is, is, okay, okay, he slipped. Okay, say a team picks this guy up. I mean, if he slips somewhere to like 15 or back to the 20s, I mean, man, if he stays healthy, you just got the steal of the first round probably. I mean, really. I mean, he, he is unbelievable. And if he stays healthy, that's the biggest thing. It's the word if. That is the, the biggest the, yeah. problem. I think it's a lot like Jalen Phillips, man. I, I, you know, I'm going to go with the assumption that Farley has nipped this in the bud and will get over it. It's another high-risk, high-reward situation. You know, on film, I don't see another corner in this class that brings the same level of talent to the table as he does. But again, no other corner is dealing with this kind of issue right now. You know, this is a massive... A ton of teams in their war rooms right now have a massive red flag beside Farley just because yeah. of this of this procedure. Heck yeah, they do. Right. So it's all based on how his back holds up. I was super impressed with him when I watched his film. Uh, I think if it wasn't for the injury, he's a can't miss player and no question the number one corner in no, this draft to everybody. No, I'm saying no, to everybody. No back sur- yeah, no back surgery. This dude's top 10 pick. That's no what I'm question. saying. And if he slips to the 20s because of this, and you know, maybe you get a guy, again, man, you could take the guy, and then three years down the line, he doesn't even want to play football anymore because his back's giving him so much issue. Yeah, yeah. But if that's not the case, man, you, you've you got unbelievable value with Caleb Farley. Uh, number two for me, Bo, is Patrick Sertain Jr. Um, you see a lot of people saying Sertain will be the first cornerback selected in this draft class. Mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with that, but I will say, again, that I believe Farley was probably the number one corner on most boards before the back issue came about. Okay, and we just agreed on that. I think that's the reason Sertain is drafted before Farley. I think solely that it's, is. It's reason. just still a factor. I mean, you, when you're when you're running a franchise, it 
you don't want to like it when the, when the when the film is there that shows that you know you're this amazing player but there's still an injury i mean you can't just say oh screw it you know let's ignore the fact that this guy's got an injury to one of the most vulnerable places on his body and we'll just see how he does i mean he's amazing on tape we'll hope it you know we'll hope it works out i mean someone whoever takes him is taking a chance i mean they yeah. really are when well, I mean, they look at certain what... and they're like okay well, this guy is you know right up there with Farley. i think he's the sure bet yeah, well, he's right up there with Farley, and he doesn't have the risk, yeah. right? So so that immediately Hardly. moves him up higher. And, you know, it kind of sounds like I'm kind of shooting down what Sertain brings to the table. So let's talk about what he has to offer, all right? Prototypical size of the position, six foot two, 200 pounds. Another physical guy that plays hard, has no issue coming downfield and helping in the run game, has fantastic instincts, knows how to time his hands to break up a pass, played the top receiver on each team during his time at Bama last year. He was pretty much on an island. And even even in his sophomore year, man, he had some unbelievable battles with Jamar Chase, which was – I went back and watched some of that, and it is, it is fantastic to watch, man. He does a great job in press or off-man coverage. Tackling technique is good. Long arms allow him to deal with lengthier opponents. So Sertain is definitely deserving of the top 10 hype he's getting. You know, he's got the NFL genes too, man. You mentioned that, you know, his dad played for 11 seasons for the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Being good at football runs in the family. Again, yeah. I just think he's going to end up going over Farley more because of Farley's injury issues rather than him being better than him. Again, I am not in any way crapping on Sertain Jr. because he is a fantastic cornerback prospect. Um, he has franchise corner potential. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if he's not number one for me or not. It's it's If you're looking for a corner, go get this guy. Yeah. Um, number three for me, Bill, a little bit higher than where you had him at, J.C. Horn. I put the exact same thing down in my notes you put down in yours, man. This guy has a pit bull mentality. Yeah. Super aggressive, hard-nosed football player that will help out in the run game. And I think out of the other guys, man, even though he's smaller, he does an amazing job of combating jump ball situations and 50-50 ball situations. His technique and his timing to break up those passes is fantastic and he breaks up passes just a ton in general man i mean it's all over the film i would i would actually wish i had gone and looked to see how many pass deflections he had it's, it's, last it, year it, it almost kind of surprised me how much people went at him yeah it did me too which again now i think it's the pis that they did it for probably man i'm about to get into that and that is probably exactly what it is but again he's super combative instincts is through the roof head is always turned around looking for the football always he's always looking for the football um shows ability to be a playmaker for his team uh, he was the leader on defense for south carolina very high high iq player i think and i'm Bo, i know you watched this film because it was some of the best wide receiver cornerback film that i watched was his showdown with auburn seth williams yeah, that that was an absolute brawl, man. Watching those two guys, Seth Williams, another guy that I really enjoyed watching at Auburn and will get drafted in this draft class. I don't know what he'll do in the NFL, but he is a very, very talented football player. He takes things super personally, talking about J.C. Horn, super yeah. personally, man. You can tell him and Williams were jawing at each other a ton, and I love that intensity. He's got the um, Jalen Ramsey like like X factor in the head. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, you. He's been in interviews, man, and he's just saying, like, I'm up next. You know, I'm the guy, like, in this whole class. I love that, man. You've got to have, have that. Yeah, you got to. If you don't have it, you've already lost. Especially for a cornerback, man. Yeah. If You have got to be confident as a cornerback mm -hmm. because you're going to get beat, and you can't get upset not, about it. Not just confident because anyone can be cocky, but it's unwavering co uh, confidence. It's, it's, un it's even when I get burned, I'm still the best. It happens. I'm still the best. Yeah. That's. 
It's unwavering confidence. And Horn has every bit of that. There are some things that concern me a little bit. Uh, His hips look a little more stiff than you might want them to be. He has a little bit of trouble going from backpedaling to opening his hips and running. This causes him to be a little bit handsy and grabby with receivers, which you see him get in trouble for. But that's one of the first things when me and you both started watching his film. We were texting each other, and you, you were like, "Does it? do you not notice the same thing, Jacob? Like, do you, do you not see him getting super grabby with these guys? I mean, he got and, away with it so much. He did, but we both agreed that his hips are stiff, man. He The changing of direction is not elite. Yeah. And that, that could be something that, that – you know, hurts him a little bit. I also think his tackling could use some work. Uh, he he is a very aggressive player. You're not going to see him not run in there. I would just like to see him run in there with a better plan of tackling, right? A little bit better technique. Uh, corners normally aren't amazing tacklers anyway, yeah. but he likes to shoulder tackle a lot, mm-hmm. right? Which is fine. I, I, at this point, I'm nitpicking, but and I'm just I'm just that's, a, that's some highlight reel stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. He has a pretty high ceiling at the next level. I think his game needs to be cleaned up a little bit, especially with discipline and grabbing and stuff like that. But overall, man, I loved watching this guy, and I can't wait to see that that mentality that he had at South Carolina go into an NFL field, man, because it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Number four for me, man. So, Bo, I have a sleeper alert right here. Oh, this Lord. guy crept into my top five. I could not get enough of watching him. My number four guy is Aaron Robinson from UCF. Talk about a corner that does almost everything at a high level, Bo. Has awesome blend of speed, quickness, strength, length. I had gotten through most of my corners, Bo, and then turned on this guy and was like, oh my God, like what a diamond in the rough. Like this guy is going to be in my top five and he's like one of the last three guys I'm watching. Super aggressive. Tackling is awesome. One of the top tacklers in this quarterback class. And I hold Caleb Farley to a really high level with that. This guy does it better than Caleb Farley. I mean, he he goes after receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. It doesn't matter, man. Um, strong enough to deal with larger receivers, but quick enough to stay with the small and shiftier guys. Will help out in the running game or rushing the passer. Really good feel for the game. Has a good ability to, of reading plays. Possesses the deep speed to stay with receivers. and Almost effortlessly makes plays on the ball, man. It's constant. He constantly gets his hand down there on the ball. Great instincts. Knows how to time his attack on the football. Can get a little confused at times with his assignments, though, in zone coverage and switching in man coverage. You'll see, obviously, you got to know how to switch with your with your fellow cornerback. The receivers depend on the route tree, what they're doing. He gets super confused in that. And he, it allows for big plays because he doesn't know where to, where to go and then ends yeah. up going over the top and they beat him needs to figure that out but that's not a huge that's not a huge okay. deal a coach it gets more complicated in the nfl it does but he's gonna get with better coaching in the nfl and you know and i trust the coaches in the nfl to at least help him out with that quite a bit um he needs to get a little bit more comfortable with he tries to do too much at one time he needs to just focus calm down let the game come to him and react off of that and again man I, i'm saying this guy probably slips into the third round but if he slips into the third round, that whatever team gets him just got unbelievable value. Unbelievable value. I, I hold this guy to a very high standard. So if he hits, man, I will be making sure everyone knows that I called this guy because <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man, when, when I was like, well, you know, I thought I had my top five figured out. And then I saw this guy and I was like, well, one of those guys has got to go because this guy is definitely making it in there. And then number five for me, guys, is Asante Samuel Jr. This is so hard. I can't believe he's at five. That's how much I enjoyed watching Asante Samuel Jr. My fifth ranked player could be drafted late first round if it was based off talent and not need. 
that's how good this guy is, and that's how good this cornerback class is. Best hips and footwork in the cornerback class. Easy. I think he, he, he is the best move. He's the best, best zone corner in the class. I agree with that. He's super fluid mover, man. Moves exactly like his dad. If you put both of their films beside each other, it's the same person, man. I actually went back and watched some of his dad when he was with the Eagles and Patriots, and it was it was the same person. It literally was the same person. It was also going back. I grew up watching Asante Samuel, man, and I, I remember just worshiping him because I thought he was just insanely good. And now scouting his son, and his son plays so similar to him. It's just a really cool experience for me. I've really enjoyed you know, going back and watching his dad and then comparing it to the way his son plays right now. But uh, his lateral agility is elite. Can change directions on a dime due to super oily hips. Hand fighting is good, solid in both man and zone coverage. He can get pushed around a little bit when he's trying to jam, but makes up for the disadvantage, I would say, with solid technique. Or let me say good technique. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Obviously, he's smaller, so you know, bigger receivers going to be pushing around a little bit, but his ability to come back from that and you know make it obvious that his technique is good and win, still win the matchup, I mean that that shows he's he's well but he's well his footwork allows him to be well balanced and that allows him to not get shoved off track he he even you might push him but he's like water he flows with it you know what yeah. I mean he just keeps even though you you you've you've put it you kind of knocked him off course one way but he's gonna just flow into another way of getting to the football and it's it's extremely smooth transitions it is man he's a playmaker very good at reading the quarterback's eyes. His ability to diagnose plays is great, and it shows how smart of a player he is as well. Super twitched up, like I said, man, flies all over the place. Just a really fun watch, and I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what he can do at the next level. I right. think he's the he's the kind of guy who I think out of the top five of each of our lists that year to year you could see the most growth because he has so much instinct that could be flipped into like you know like extremely thought out like like intelligent defender, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved watching him, man. And and obviously he's going to be, again, like you said about Sertain, I think it was about Sertain, um, he's going to get good coaching in the NFL. He's going to get good mm-hmm. co- good coaching at home. Yeah. Right? Same I thing, mean, if these guys field. live it, it matters. I, I just all around love this guy. And I just cannot wait to see who drafts him and who he gets to play for. And then, Bo, my honorable mention, man, the exact same guy as you, Tyson Campbell, a player that I, I think has about as much potential as all the other guys I, I just mentioned. Speed is awesome. You've already talked about that, Bo. Yeah. He's not going to get burnt by anyone, really. Yeah. Maybe Tyreek Hill. Okay, that's fine. Everyone I mean, but who doesn't? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no uh, he's aggressive, good instincts, fluid moving on the field. Uh, he's a stud, man, but he needs to be a little more disciplined and reel it in some. And also, he dealt with some confidence issues in college. Corners are, again, normally the most confident guys on the field. They're cocky, right? Yeah. So I want to see Campbell get more comfortable. But again, you know, this guy's ceiling is, is absolutely through the roof. And it is, I think if he puts it all together and he can get confident and reel it in a little bit, he has just almost as high of a ceiling as all the guys I just mentioned. Yeah. He has all the tools. He's the kind of guy where a few early turnovers in his career that he creates could help him a long way to having a good rookie season. I don't I think one of my biggest issues was the was that there was there was plenty of good coverage and uh, you know athleticism flashing all over the tape, but there wasn't a lot of splash. 
Um, I don't necessarily think that he's going to be the guy that you know that comes out of nowhere and and gives your team the spark play that changes the momentum. But he's going to be the guy that you're not going to have to be worrying about as a liability and coverage, which you know it helps momentum in itself. But you still want turnovers from your DBs nowadays. The turnover ratio is is almost everything with how offenses are moving these days. Well, that's what makes Jalen Ramsey probably the best corner in the league right now. Yeah, great absolutely. coverage, but he also makes you know turnovers happen. Yeah. Got to make some turnovers happen. That's going to make your team real happy and coaches as well. But let's talk about the safeties, man. 2021 safety class. Number one for me, I'm going to jump straight into it. Trayvon Morig. Mo- yes, Merig, whatever. I- I'm going to mess up the name. We already know that. I'm going with Morig too. So. All right, that's fine. I'll go with Morig. Hell of an athlete. Hell of an athlete. That's what I Hell said. Hell of an athlete. Freakish athlete. I mean, it, it is. Yes. Uh, it yes. was a, a pleasure to watch this guy. Dude, was I mean, it? It was it was just Dude, was it? There, dude, there are there are some guys that you watch on film and you're like, okay, you, you know, you're doing this because you, you want to be doing it, but then there are guys that you're just like, you know, I could sit back, literally grab a beer and watch this guy for six hours. That's exactly what I did. I mean, it's <laughs> dude, not six hours, him. but like like three, but yeah. I can't chalk it up as any more than it was just a pleasure watching him, man. Hell of an athlete, guy with a super high IQ, gets downhill extremely quick, excels again in both man and zone coverage, super sticky in coverage too. He almost looks like a natural cornerback out there. Knows his assignments and where to be each play. He knows what is asked of him by his coaches. Always in on the play. Every play you saw a number seven somewhere around the football, exactly. which I, I love. He, he doesn't take plays off, man. He's always in there helping his team and his teammates. Excellent tackler, has excellent form, and takes fantastic angles in pursuit. Much more so a free safety than a strong, in my opinion. You know, m- more so because this guy's a playmaker, right? You can be a playmaker yeah. at strong safety, but you want a guy that can go out there and cover well and, and make plays for you. You, you. A lot of times you're putting him at free safety. If, if you don't give him the option to play the whole field, you're doing him a disservice. Yeah. I mean, a guy that has range, man. I mean, he can, he can shoot all over the place. Yeah. Um, very good at diagnosing plays, which again goes back to that IQ. And I, I'm going to say this. He is a guy that could be worthy of a top 25, top 30 pick. He's more likely going to go in the second, though, because safety isn't a huge need league-wide right now, or at least early in the draft. He's going to fall out of the first round, I think, but he definitely has the talent to be in the late round, late first round conversation. I don't think that is a question whatsoever. Film all around was just very, very good. Number two for me is Jamar Johnson, uh, another super high IQ player, can play single high or two safety sets confidently. Effective rushing the passer, another rangy player, has the speed to cover large areas of the field. And the guy is a he's he's just a playmaker, man. You know, he was a difference maker for his team. And even if it wasn't him, you know, getting the turnover, it was him causing it, which is just as important, man. It doesn't matter if you're the one getting the interception. If you're causing interceptions, that's that's just as big of a deal. Right. Much like Morig, when I watched him get downhill super quick, I was like, you know, nobody's probably going to match this. Well, then you turn on Johnson, and it's the exact same thing. Gets down super quick again to help out and run support. Absolutely twitched up. Diagnosis plays like a pro. Not a liability when you put him in man coverage with top receivers. And, you know, his tackling, again, I'm not nit- trying to nitpick. Tackling needs to be a little bit more consistent. but that's A little bit more? I'm saying a little bit more. I okay. saw some good things from it. I'm saying a little bit more consistent. But again, that can be taught at the next level. 
right? I, I don't disagree tackling can improve. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot harder things to coach, but a 26% missed tackle rate really hurt my grade on him because what is the, the position he played is called safety and missing 26% of your tackles is far from anything is far from safe in my opinion. Well, I'm just, okay. I said, it's a problem now. I'm just saying, I, I think again, man, it all goes to coaching, getting him in the right team in the right situation. I think that can be fixed, man. I truly think that can be fixed. I think the talent is unmistakable. Well, yeah, you, it's hard to teach a lot of guys rushing lanes and how to get in them properly. A lot of that is a feel for the game of football and how and how the how the traffic flows and how to end up in the right place. I mean, knowing the football field is an instinctual aspect of the game. I will take a guy that has a feel for the game like he does and struggles with tackling over a guy that is a great tackler but has terrible feel for the game. Uh, yeah. It depends on what traits you want to work with. I agree. I so agree. I, I think the tackling but, is an issue, man. I really didn't even know that number, the 26%. That's high. It's a, that's it's, it's high. way above average. It's that's way, super let's, high. Let's, let's put it that way. It's way above average. I did not know that was the number, and that yeah. does it's, concern it's me. Not, it's not good. I'm telling you, it's not good. You've put me on the spot. You don't like being on the spot. Now I'm on the spot because that is a troubling number. Again, <laughs> uh, I saw him on the 26.5. You can round up. <laughs> yeah, you can go to a 27. Okay. I don't know, man. I, th- I think, again, man, his feel for the game and his talent is all there. It's just let's get more disciplined in the tackling, and, you know, you've got a guy that can excel at the next level. Let's watch. We'll just watch to see if this guy's tackling gets better. We'll see how far he can go at the next level. Um, number three for me is Richie Grant from UCF. Grant's closing speed is absolutely elite, Bo. Like, out of all the DBs, he's probably in the top two guys. Click and close abilities are fantastic. Awesome tackler. Played in the box quite a bit for UCF. He could stand to bulk up a little bit, but even being a little thin and being as tough as he is, that alone is going to stand out to coaches and scouts because he does not care, man. He will just throw his body in there. It does not matter. Like you, sometimes, you kinda... not even with a plant, he'll just do it. And it's, I love it. Now you need a strategy going into each play, but man, is it fun to watch how intense he is. I, I had kind of heard not great things about grant and then watching him i was like well i don't know what, what any any of these people are talking about because he he seems like a stud to me as a prospect he hits extremely hard he absolutely invites contact like he just yeah. wants to hit somebody which you love to see that's an old school safety right i love yeah. seeing that takes awesome angles when pursuing ball carriers again man there are some concerns his awareness needs to be a little bit better. He can look lost at times. Struggles to change directions on a dime, so his lateral agility is not elite, um, which can cause problems in a faster st- setting at the next level. Um, it's not horrible, but it's just some things he needs to work on. The The lateral agility, that probably isn't going to get a lot better, though. You, you mm-hmm. can't really teach hips. You're born with hips. So that's something that could hold him back a little bit at the next level. Um, if not, though, I, I still think he is a guy that starts in the NFL. Uh, maybe he just doesn't reach like a, a Pro Bowl caliber player. And then number four for me is Andre Sisco out of Syracuse, a guy that probably got overlooked a little bit playing for Syracuse. Awesome athletic build, six foot, 209 pounds, gets downhill again fast. I keep repeating myself, but all these guys just shoot downfield. Yeah, like, well, they're that's like the guys are getting man. now. It's, it's like all the DBs are ex skill position offensive players yeah, now. Yeah, man. I mean, they are all just lightning in a bottle, which is just a, a lot of fun to watch. 
has good lateral movement ability in his hips, good at diagnosing plays, and seems to read the quarterback extremely well, man. He seems to almost predict each time where the quarterback's heading with, and he starts to head that direction. Uh, doesn't put himself in bad situations often, knows where to be on the field. Uh, a guy that, in all honest, honesty, I think could probably play at free safety or strong safety. I think he has that kind of versatility. I would say look for him to get drafted around, I'd say around round three. I'm trying to think about it. I'm saying look for this guy to go around round three in the upcoming draft, but a guy that could end up being awesome value if he lands somewhere, man. I, these are all guys, and I think the, the DB class, the cornerback class is seen as stronger than the safety class, right? There are still some really good guys in the safety class, but this isn't a year that safeties are really, really being looked for. So I think there's a lot of good safety prospects that are going to land on teams later in rounds that are going to end up being steals. That's why I keep saying this guy has great value because I don't think they're going to go early because based off need, there is no team right now in the NFL that in the top two rounds, they're like, we've got to take safety. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in other years, there has been a situation like well, that. So I think these guys will become be better value because they're going to get taken later and they still have really good talent. Yeah, I agree. Right? Number five for me, Bo, another guy who is a major underdog, a absolute major underdog, but I loved everything about watching him, is Brady Breeze. Ooh. I love this player. I, I, I cannot say enough about watching this guy play football. This might be my favorite underdog in the entire draft. Right. I, I've wow. said guys like Kenny Yaboa. I don't think it's that like, bold. I, don't I think love that's that bold. Brady Breeze, man. This guy seems a little Harrison Smithish to me. Mm hmm. It, he he is a he is a dog man has a ball hawking mentality will put his body on the line to make a play very smart player that plays with a ton of intensity super aggressive helps in the run game a lot comes into the box and he plays like almost like a natural linebacker now his top end speed could be an issue he can sometimes get beat over the top by quicker guys and it can you know it it makes him struggle covering large areas of the field which yeah. that can be an issue being a safety in the NFL the versatility really isn't there. I just think he's a guy that you put him on a team and day one, he is one of your hardest workers and he's going to give you 110%. And the mentality is there, man. I mean, he, he has that NFL mentality. He wants to come in and win immediately. And then guys, my honorable mention is Hamza Nasruddin from Florida state uh, has all the tools to be a great safety, but is still super raw. That is the only reason he couldn't make it in the top five for me. Super raw player. It still seems like he's learning to get a feel for the game. He's kind of, he hesitates a lot, which you don't want to see. Um, you want a guy that reads it and reacts immediately. Needs to polish up his game, but the talent is all there. It's just whether or not can he put it all together at the next level. I think with the right coaches, again, and I, I keep going back to coaches, man, but it, it's all about that. You know, how coachable all these guys are they willing to be coached and uh, will they listen to their coaches? And uh, I think if this guy does all of that, he has a successful career ahead of him. It's just, you know, will he put in the time and the effort, get a little bit more disciplined and become more comfortable uh, in his own body as a football player. So uh, you weren't big on the Elijah Molden stock, were you? So I will be honest with you. I saw a lot of people have Molden going to safety. I have him still at corner. Really? Yeah. I, I actually like him size-wise. I think he's a better fit over there. Building size-wise, I think he is. And I, honestly, he played – so much around the field and he actually lined up in safety positions deep for Washington at certain times uh, on film and he he didn't do he was not a liability I mean he handled it well, well and like Elijah Elijah Molden is what you're classic to me your nickel 
I mean, that's I think where he Elijah spent a lot nickel, of his time. Like, like you know, and they call it different stuff, but nickel in the NFL is what they're going to call it, nickel cornerback and stuff like that. But, you know, it's the star at Georgia. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. It's just called the star. Yeah. It's the guy that has cornerback abilities but is physical enough to play like a safety as well. So I, I see Molden being more that. I don't see him making the full transition to safety. Well, I have him in my safeties. I do, and I and it's because I like his build and I like his I like his physicality for his size. Um, he and honestly, he, he's even th- through the corners and the DBs, he's one of the most physical guys when it comes to putting hands on people. Um, from what I saw, I, I mean, and he's he's extremely smart player too. He's always around the ball. I mean, you, you can't say that he's extremely sticky and all that. I mean, I'm not, he's not even not even on him right now. He's not my number one. I don't know why I'm starting with him, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about him because I didn't hear his name, and I actually really enjoyed his tape. I, I like him. really really good player. Well, um, I love anybody that comes from Washington, man. They're they're really very very well coached at Washington, so you have yeah. to give respect to any of those guys coming out of there. Yeah. Well, my number one is like yours, Trayvon Morig. I think there was really no way around it. Um, I think the the physical traits are just jumping off the film. Um, size, speed, length, uh, sh- strength. Uh, you know, the way he presses guys, the way he deals with blocks in front of him. Um, I mean, it's all super impressive. Um, he's I think in in years where safety's a bigger need, I think you'd see him go a lot higher. And so I don't want that to do him a, a disservice, but I mean he's he's a dude that's going to step in for some team and the first year make a big impact in my opinion. Um, he's a great all around athlete. He attacks the, he attacks the catch point better than any of these any any of these other safeties in this class right now. Um, he's he's led the NCAA in pass breakups two years in a row, and I think that's saying a lot when all they do is pass now. So he's getting put to the test time and time and time and time again, especially in a in a fast conference like the Big Twelve. They're continuously testing him, especially, you know, he's seeing Oklahoma every year. So, you know, he's getting something good and Oklahoma State. So, you know, he's facing good receivers. Um, so he's really he's really getting it all. He's got good, good hips, corner like hips. Uh, change of direction is really good. He runs low and smooth. Uh, he's a really do it all player. Uh, he's like free safety guy for me. He's going to, if you don't let him cover the field, like we talked about earlier, then you're really, really hurting him as a player. Um, and he's got soft hands for a safety. Um, I saw him make, pull in some, some, some catches that were involved a lot of hand eye coordination and involved him being able to keep his hands on the football and secure it and, you know, run after the catch stuff is good too. Um, I would say that sometimes he goes for the highlight reel hit. Hopefully that's just a college thing for him. Um, he's so big, he's so strong and so fast. He knows he can blow you up. He should, he should really take that shoulder tackling and start throwing his arms around guys. And, and those few missed tackles he had, if he does that, if he, eliminates those sky's the absolute limit this guy could get a big contract in the nfl and be a year one contributor really 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 loved his tape probably watched more games of anyone on defense so far yet uh with him so that goes for linebackers he tackles everything more than i watched michael parsons and all it's the guys that came out and i try my hardest not to you know, pay attention to it like what a lot of other people are saying when they're scouting because i like to try to do my own thing but it was a lot of people that came out that said that Morig wasn't physical enough. 
And I would actually like to sit down with most of those people and be like, okay, well, I want to see on film, you know, where do you see this stuff? I don't see it. Where is his physicality not apparent? Well, then what do you want? He's not playing in the SEC. It's a lot of bump and run. Make your first punch. Try and redirect and get your guy and stick to him or mirror what he's doing. There's not a whole lot of him having to deal with big running backs and big offensive lines and a a strong running game, you know, for him to have to come up and and, or – end up on a tight end somehow and I'll prove how big and strong he is. Like, it's just not, he didn't have to do that in the big 12. You know what yeah, I mean? Know. He, I'm he sorry hasn't he's had not, to... I'm sorry. Sorry. He's not Brian Dawkins. Yeah, you know what but I, mean? I believe he threw up around 30 reps on the bench at 225, the 225 bench. So he shows you all, he shows you his strength in the weight room and on the field. Um, he's just a straight up bully out there, you know, and I really loved his tape. My number two is he was not on yours. He's the other Oregon star, Javon Holland. Um, he's extremely smart. He's a communicator. Uh, he's rangy as hell. He plays all over the field. He lines up in the slot. He lines up outside, lines up deep. He does everything. He's a guy that you can really plug and play out of the gate. He's got good hips like a corner. And my in my opinion, he recovered well when when guys broke off routes under him and he was and he might have been a little late, you know, moving with them. He gets back and catch up to them. He's got speed. He returned punts. For Oregon, and as you know, and as everybody knows, uh, Oregon's really fast. So if you're returning punts at Oregon, you must be really fast. And so I would say that he has the size and all that. I just don't think he's assertive enough as a tackler or and as a guy taking on blocks. He he has the he has the size and speed and explosiveness to be more assertive with his strength. And I'd like to see him do that. And then I would say that. He, Probably, I guess the the other the most impressive thing, other than that, is he is a sideline to sideline tackler, and he gets he gets around, he makes plays, and it's Brady Breeze on the other side does take up some of the film. You could you it's hard not to look at 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 Breeze and and be like, oh my god, who is that? When you're watching Holland, but he really is all over the tape, and he's good in the run. He's good at anticipating routes. His play recognition is pretty much off the charts, um, and. You can, in a worst case scenario, you can drop him down to cover the slot if he's not doing well over the top. Um, but I think he's going to be able to play from any depth in the field. Um, my number three, Richie Grant, UCF. Loved his tape. I think he's the turnover machine of these safeties. Um, he's got good feet. I would say that he, he gets downhill with urgency and he hits hard, but I'd definitely like to see less. A lot of these guys, man, in college, it just seems like they're trying to just knock people's shoes off every play and show up on the film rather than just wrapping it up. Um, I'd like to see him not overrun and mess up those tackles as much. But I'll tell you what, his he's probably got the best ball punch out of all these guys, too. Um, he really had some impressive uh, f- forced fumbles while he was at UCF that are like it almost it's almost downplayed due to how many picks and pass breakups he had. Um, so he's a he's a big splash play guy. I mean, just jumps off the tape and he's you can see him when he's out there on the field. He's communicating. He's calling the plays for the secondary. Um, he's just a leader for UCF and he's played a heck of a lot of snaps there. Um, and he's won a fair amount of ball games playing for that school too. So he's he's definitely experienced. And I would say that he's not afraid of the moment because what we've learned from the Griffin brothers and other guys that came from that program, they were ready, they were willing and ready to compete at at any time. So I, I absolutely loved his tape. And my number four, like you talked about, you're gonna you have him staying at corner, but it's Elijah Molden for me. Um, I think he possesses the the traits to play safety. He has 
He has the smarts. He's a film guy from what I've read. He has corner-like hips that help him cover people when he has to. Uh, his hands are always out in front of him. He He's small, but for a small guy, he actually deals the blocks pretty well, even though the Pac-12 isn't full of elite blockers. But he does deal with that well from his film. And his ball skills are ready for the NFL. Um, his size is is probably his biggest hindrance, but I would say for his size, there's probably not a guy in the draft that gets up and deals with ball skills any better than him. And I think he's a guy that you can anywhere in the secondary, it's plug and play. If you got an injury at corner, throw him out there. You got an injury at safety, bring him in at safety. I wouldn't really expect a whole lot of dropping down in the box and being this elite run defender or anything, but he's a really a plug and play versatile uh, defender and extremely sticky on his man with with good feet, good hips, all that. It all it's one big package. Um, so I I really really enjoyed watching him. And like you said, the Washington boys are always coached up well. Byron Murphy was the same type of uh, guy coming out. Buddha uh, Baker man, and Buddha Baker too. Um, my number five, Andre Cisco. I think this guy's most impressive thing from him was his play recognition. He's really smart. Um, smarter than I think that people are really making him out to be. I think his ACL tear has been his biggest, biggest hindrance. I think if he played the full season and all that, it, you know, he might be a little higher. Um, but he's really all over the field. There's not an area that he can't cover. There's not a player that he can't get to and track down. He's a sure, pretty sure technical tackler. Um, I liked him in the screen game a whole lot. He jumped down, and he's not he doesn't bite on any anybody's first move. Um, he did get he does get fooled a little bit downfield by double moves and stuff like that. Gets a little exposed, but I think with just time and film study, he's got the physical traits to really be able to make up for all that. And he was a really fun watch against these ACC schools. Now, I just wish he could have played the whole season out and not gotten hurt. It's another guy like Caleb Farley where if he had played the whole time out and honestly not been on such a odd, you know, not to be mean to Syracuse, but cruddy team in general. You know, he might have stood out a little more somewhere else. And then my honorable mention, I don't know how much you'll agree with it, but I'm 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 put making him my honorable mention because this is a guy I think could be versatile in a way of being a safety and come down as a linebacker for some teams. Um and this is Jamie and Sherwood from Auburn. Let's and go, man. You like him? I'm sorry. I didn't yes. interrupt you. Yes. No, no. I thought you were going to say, yes, I do. I like Sherwood a lot. Six, I really like enjoyed two, watching like his tape, man. It was barely, and Nazardine barely beat him out just because I went with the raw tools from Nazardine. Yeah. But, dude, Sherwood is a really good player. He is. And and I, I like kind of, he's better than, than, the Pittsburgh player Marcus Allen, but Marcus Allen is the is is making a move in his career where he was a big hitting safety that's primarily played in the box, and they're realizing that you can get better matchups and still hit people at linebacker in the right scheme. And if you take, it's kind of like it's. I texted you about Devon Diablo too from Tech today. They're both guys that if you can get them in the right fit for them to use their athleticism to still come down and make plays at the line of scrimmage, you could really have a good ball player. And it's not like at, at, at as big as Jamie and Sherwood is, he's bigger than all these other safeties I've mentioned. He's an absolutely, he's an absolute hoss for a safety and there's nobody. I don't think he'll ever struggle to tackle anyone in the NFL either, unless he takes a bad angle. I just think there is a, a need 
there there is not enough super athletic rangy linebackers in the NFL and there's plenty of teams that need rangy athletic linebackers to cover all the receiving options that they end up getting thrown at them today and i think this is a guy that if he's willing to just just buckle down and learn and watch tape and do whatever he's being willing to willing to do and do whatever he's asked that he could really carve out a role somewhere now, I think on a, I think if this dude ended up somewhere like, I think he could be what I hoped Geno Stone would be coming out of Iowa. Yeah, you, know? you were super high on Geno Stone coming yeah, out. Yeah, I think he could, he could be that type of player because there is a need for it. There is a role that you can fit that type of guy in. You cannot have soft guys across your entire secondary. You're going to need a tone setter. This dude can be that. He isn't a complete liability in coverage, but he's not the best at or he's not the best at it either. If you put a burner on him, he's going to get burnt at his size, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. Like there's no question about that. But if you can get him lined up correctly on someone he can cover, tight ends, n- not the Christian McCaffrey's coming out of the backfield, but bigger guys that might get stuck in a third down roll, I think he can really give you something. And his tape was super fun to watch. Super fun to watch, and I, I think it would be really intriguing. And, and I mean, it could be two, three years for you see him s- shifting down to linebacker. But I think if his career really wants to take off, he needs to do both. It was hard for me not to put him in honorable mention, man. He 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 has a little bit of that versatility, man. And again, versatility is huge at the next level. Coaches love if you can do multiple things at a high level. So it was hard to keep him out, man. I'm 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 very glad that you added him in your list. I think he, I think he deserved it for the work he did at Auburn. I mean, he just he was all over the film. He made a lot of plays for them. He's a tone setter for them. I mean, and and he's got he's got the physical profile to be a contributor at different levels on a defense in the NFL. I think he's just one of those guys where he's a scheme fit and he's got to end up in the right hands. He doesn't. He, 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 he doesn't need to end up on a team that is in the sixth round or the fifth round or whatever. And oh crap, we haven't taken a safety and we don't have safety depth. Yeah, and here we go. You know, he needs a team that is going to give him attention. Exactly. Because obviously, the higher you're drafted in a, in the draft, you're going to get more attention, right? So yeah. the second round guy gets more attention than the third round guy. First round guy gets the most attention, obviously. The seventh-round guys and the sixth-round guys, or late sixth-round guys, they're almost seen as possible practice squad players. I mean, I'm telling you, man, there's a chance he could sneak into late fourth. Sherwood, just based on the versatility, I think there's a chance he sneaks in to the to the late fourth round, early fifth round. I mean, and and if it's the right team, I would I would agree with it. If it's a team, if I see it and I see it's a team that might not use him the way that he should be used, it's not the right fit, then, you know, might not agree with it as much. I think for him, it's all going to be about his landing spot and what he's got, you know, for his future. You know, a lot of players need yeah. uh, a, a lot of, it, it, it's kind of like the Sam Darnold effect, man, which I can talk about till I'm blue in the face. Sam Darnold was a really good prospect coming out of college. Unfortunately, he landed on the Jets. Yeah. That ruined his career pretty much, completely ruined his career. I can't wait to watch him in Carolina because that is a great organization. They know how to coach. They know how to put people to put people in position to be successful. That that's just a probably one of the best examples that I have. Uh, but guys, again, that is our last rankings episode for the pre-draft process. I have had an absolute blast, Bo. 
ranking all of these position groups. I've this is probably the most fun I've ever had going through rankings and scouting positions and everything like that. I'm kind of sad it's over. But guys, on the next episode, which will be coming out on Thursday, the day of the draft, me and Bo will be doing a full first first round mock draft. Excuse me. And then after that, after all the draft stuff is over, we will be ranking draft classes, going by division, and things like that. So we still got a lot of cool stuff to do, though, but I am going to miss the scouting part of it. As always, guys, go subscribe, go give a review, and go TSR. Peace out, everybody. Peace. Now listening to the TSR Podcast with Jacob and Bowe.